Captain. Raging review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand. And let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm! Alarm! Ready! Who's your team ready? Who's your team ready? That's up! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies, gentlemen, children, and babies, Cajun Nation, welcome into another edition of the Raging Review Podcast. I'm Jerry. I'm here with Nick. Got lots to talk about tonight, especially some breaking news, it seems, unless there's some type of typo on the Ticketmaster website. Looks like the Cajuns, we have found out the bowl destination as well as the opponent. We'll get to that in a second. But first of all, uh, look, like I said, lots to talk about tonight. We'll talk a little bit about how we spent our Thanksgiving. We'll review a little bit of that ULM win last week as the Cajuns closed out the regular season. We'll talk about uh, our experience in saying goodbye to Cajun Field as it is. We'll talk about what's going on around the Sun Belt. And, uh, well, we were going to talk about bowl projections. I guess we can still talk about that unless there's some type of error, again, on the Ticketmaster website. And we'll talk some Cajuns women's basketball and men's basketball. And actually, right now, the Cajuns are currently, men's basketball is in action in Alabama as they take on Samford. And, uh, yeah, we got a lot to talk about tonight. So let's get it started. Nick, how's it going, man? Good, man. Yeah, big news tonight. First of all, I want to say you heard it here first. You know, we'll have some imitators out there that are going to try to take credit. But um, we got that scoop. We heard things. We started investigating. Uh, you guys, you and you and Josh did a fantastic job of kind of putting the feelers out on that. And then lo and behold, uh, confirmed what we've been hearing. So I'm sure we'll get into that. And also Twitter spaces are open. So we thought it was important enough that we got that information that we want to hear your thoughts on, on both the site and the opponent. So when we get to that part, we'll open it up and, uh, and take comments from, uh, from everyone. Look forward to hearing from everyone tonight. Yeah, that's, and, and, and yes, uh, to, to piggyback off of what you just said, Nick, um, you know, like I said, basketball's playing tonight. So maybe if you have some thoughts on, on the game against Sanford right now, it's not looking too good for the Cajuns. Cajuns are down, I believe by 16 at half to Sanford, not a good first half. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Um, and then we'll also discuss what your thoughts on um, on this particular bowl game that the Cajuns look like they'll be headed to. Uh, so, yes, we will open up the Twitter space. But first, Josh has some comments to make about our sponsors. We got to thank our sponsors. So take it away, Josh. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for joining Raging Review for another weekly episode. We'd just like to encourage you to patronize our great sponsors like Dr. Brett Venable and Recovery Cairo Med. Have you been in a car accident or hurt yourself lifting on the job? Are you having neck pain or back pain, but really don't want to deal with a long drawn out process? Then call the chiropractor Raging Cajun athletes use for their neck and back pain, Dr. Brett Venable. The bottom line is you just need to feel better. You need to get better quickly. That's where Dr. Brett Venable comes in to make all the difference. 
Dr. Venable and his integrated team of rehab, chiropractic, and medical doctors have three locations in Acadiana to serve you. Opelousas, New Iberia, and of course, main office in Lafayette. Dr. Brett Venable is one of very few chiropractors recognized by the state of Louisiana as a chiropractic specialist. He is also the only chiropractor in the Cajuns Healthcare Alliance and the only chiropractor on the board at Tulane School of Professional Advancement. Before you start to stress about the process, remember, this is exactly why you pay for car insurance. These situations are exactly why you carry workman's comp. There's no need for a court date. Your first call should be to Dr. Brett Venable and his great team at Recovery Cairo Med. No hassle, no waiting, and quick relief. Come and find out what our Raging Cajun athletes and over 10,000 Acadiana residents already know. For more information, call the Lafayette office at 337-988-2188 or visit recoverychiromed.com, recoverychiromed.com. We'd like to thank Dr. Brett Venable for being an RCAF member and the exclusive chiropractic sponsor of the Raging Review podcast. Also, a huge thank you to Absolutely Embroidery and More. We know how much Cajun Nation loves their gear. At Raging Review, we get our gear from Miss Phyllis Thibodeau and the team at Absolutely Embroidery and More. Absolutely has a massive inventory of Raging Cajun apparel to choose from. If you can't find something you like, Absolutely can make something you'll like right there in the shop. And if your creation proves to be a popular item with customers, Absolutely will give you a little incentive for helping out with the cause. Bring in your vermilion and white shirts, hats, shorts, socks, dresses, jackets, sweaters, or whatever garment you need to represent the Cajuns. Absolutely also offers customized embroidery services to promote your business on hats, polos, uniforms, etc. Absolutely rounds out the collection with an assortment of exciting accessories for the lady Cajuns in your life. Earrings, headbands, bracelets, clutches, and bags are just a few options to complete her spicy look. Pass by 3010 Collie Saloon Roan in Lafayette and see the wonderful ladies at Absolutely Embroidery and More today. They'll treat you to quality Cajun clothing, complimentary gourmet cookies, and a friendly conversation. And if you're an out-of-town raging Cajun, visit them on the web at absolutelyembroideryandmore.com or visit their social channels on Instagram or Facebook. There, you'll find pictures of what the ladies are putting on the shelves in real time. Once again, folks, please support local businesses and please support businesses that support the Raging Cages and especially the Raging Review Podcast. Thank you to our sponsors, Recovery Cairo Med, Dr. Brett Venable, as well as Absolutely Embroidery and more. Please make sure if you need any uh, back treatment or if you need to get some good Cajuns gear, head over to those businesses. Uh, it's always good to support local and we're very glad that they also support Raging Review and Raging Cajun Athletics. So Nick, let's get it started. Um, first of all, the Cajuns, a uh, big win last week against the ULM Warhawks by the final score of 52 to 21. That officially puts the Cajuns as bowl eligible. And, um, you know, look, I got to give a shout out to uh, a few names, especially Mr. Chandler Fields. You know, he lived by the full motto of work while you wait. As Coach Robichaud used to say, great stats. And he was actually named the Davy O'Brien Award Great Eight Honor. So that means uh, that goes to the Davy uh, O'Brien Award recipients of the top eight performances by the uh, all of the FBS quarterbacks. And uh, Chandler was chosen as one of the eight uh, last Saturday against the Warhawks. So congratulations to Chandler. 
on that performance. Also got to give a shout out to Bill Davis over a hundred yards rushing. I believe he scored two touchdowns. Um, it was one of those games where we finally dominated a team that we were heavily favored against. And it was good to do it against ULM because we had not done that at Cajun field in a very long time. So uh, I guess in spite of the roller coaster ride of this season, it was good to see the Cajuns dominate that game from start to finish. Yeah, it was. And and look, uh, and I'll echo what Josh said uh, during our post game. We really didn't do anything differently that we haven't done the past few weeks. We just did it against a really bad team. But I, I again, like like I said to Terry when he was he was given his recap of the game, I was excited to see to see Des get a little bit fired up at the way that some of the the players were acting towards the the end of the first half and and saying it publicly that he wasn't happy with the way guys were acting. And I think that was the first time in his tenure as head coach that we heard that from him. And we saw a little bit of of public denouncement of some of the the way the guys were acting during the game so that was a good thing to see of course you always want to be you beat ulm and when you beat them that badly that's a good thing and of course it got us bowl eligible but i'm not going to read too far into it because ulm was a really bad team i mean they they were atrocious they were worse than they probably have played the entire season they've had some close games and and they sure didn't show uh, their ability. I don't think they showed their full ability. I think they checked out last game of the season. I was a little bit worried in the running game early in the game. As you remember, they were just running it down our throats and we could not stop them. But uh, thankfully we stiffened up a little bit on defense and, and we were able to get some key stops that really turned the game in our favor. So again, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary that we did. That was that we haven't been doing the last few weeks. I think we just did it against a really bad team. And again, we're going to have to improve in the bowl game uh, against a, a team that uh, all for, for what we know and what we think is going to happen has a winning record and has only lost four games to, to pretty good teams. So we're going to have to still get better in, in however many practices we have until that bowl game coming up in December. I totally agree. And I think, um, you know, if there's any momentum going into a bowl game, playing like you did last Saturday is definitely the way to do it, uh, especially against a team that, you know, anytime you play ULM, no matter how good or how bad they are, they're always going to find a way to give us their best shot. And this time, this Saturday was the first time in a long time at Cajun Field where we dominated them, you know, from start to finish. I mean, I think 1992 was the last time we had beaten them by more than a touchdown at Cajun Field. I mean, that, that that's crazy, Nick. I mean, th this is a team that has had one winning season since they've been at the FBS level since 1994. You would think on paper we would do what we've done to like teams like Texas State, right? You, you At home, you beat them by double digits. It's almost the norm. With ULM, it's like even when we won 10 games, we had to win on a last-second field goal, you know? So I thought coming into this game, I said we would win, but we win by one touchdown. And it was just so good to see us just dominate. And um, I think what it showed me was this team has not quit. They didn't quit, and I think they wanted to reward themselves with one last chance to play with each other uh, as, as as a team, as a whole, in the locker room as well. So, um, you know, look, I know it's been disappointing. I know it's been an up-and-down ride. But I'm not. if there's one thing I'm not going to do, I'm not going to complain about this game against ULM because it, it was just – it was everything you could have asked for as a Cajuns fan. Yeah, I'm not going to – I mean, at this point, I'm not going to complain about any win that we have on our schedule – uh, based on how how things have gone so far this season, 
um, or, or I should say through the regular season because right. we're done. It's hard to, you know, it's it's hard for me to fathom the fact that we're not playing regular season football anymore. Like it felt like those 12 games just flew by. It so did, I'm still, man. I'm still in the mode that we're still going to play another game next week. But right. it's, uh, you know, I'm still going to take every every win. I feel, again, like we, and, and I'm sure many Cajun fans feel the same way. There were a bunch of wins that we left out there on the table for the taking. We just... We gave it away in some way, shape, or form. So uh, it was good to get that sixth win. Glad that we're bowling. Mixed feelings about who we're playing, if that if that ends up being the case. No, it's true. And uh, as we kissed the regular season goodbye, we also kissed Cajun Field goodbye, especially on the west side. Uh, as you can see, we had some friends that took some of the letters and the signs out of the stadium. I guess they're helping with the maintenance, right? Because right now... <laughs> It's, I was, I was going to say Martin Hall probably just had an absolute, they, they probably were just their heads exploded when they saw that happening. I don't yeah. know. Did they send the UPs out to take the letters back? I don't know. And then, you know, what's funny about that. I was thinking like, even if they took the letters back, what are they going to do? They're going to throw it in the dumpster anyway. It's not like they're <laughs> going to put it in some museum or something, you know, where are they going to put it? You know, on the recruiting uh, trailers. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's an old joke. Old joke. Oh, I, remember, I know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> so, so, you know, it, it was good. It was a bittersweet moment. It was good to say goodbye to Cajun field. I mean, when we left, uh, Kayla, me, Kayla and, uh, Allie were walking out the stadium. We took a selfie in front of the stadium one last time. And, you know, uh, it was, it's, it, it was time. It was time. And, and now as you pass by the stadium, they fenced everything off in the parking lot and, uh, they have, a bunch of dumpsters in the front by the Falconberry Tower, by the elevator. They have uh, the demolition sign of the construction crew and the demolition crew up there. So they're pretty much ready to go. Now they're doing the last minute cleanup, getting everything cleared out before that starting date on December 11th. So they're definitely on the move now. I know a lot of times in the past, it's almost a... Um, uh, it's almost like a dangling carrot, if you will. You know, remember whenever the baseball stadium debacle, there was a crane in front of the stadium for a good like three months, but it didn't move. The webcam. So, <laughs> yeah, like the webcam, it just stat just stayed there for like three months. But this time it's I think it's for real, Nick. I'm I'm seeing a lot of people, unless they're they're at paid actors, I'm seeing a lot of movement in front of the stadium and, and a lot of progress has been made in these last five or six days. So that's good to see. Yeah, look, the meltdown, <laughs> if this isn't real, it will, will be, that'll be something to watch. That I want to sit back and eat popcorn. Look, Nick, December 11th, it's like I'm going to drive by as proof. I'm going to get the cell phone out and just drive by and just make sure if I don't see a wrecking ball, okay, we're going to be like getting, we're going to come in and do a Twitter space or an episode and what's going on? We were told December 11th. <laughs> hey, look, somebody has to fill Mr. Frank Babin's shoes. Rest in peace, Mr. Frank. He would have been on it if he were still with us today. So I'll, I'll I'll, I'll we'll go ahead and give that to you to, to raise hell if things don't stay on course. Of course. And for anybody that still wants to follow the, the stadium progress, I believe there's a webcam that's supposed to be going up. I'm not sure if it's going to be on the, the ragingcages.com website. I do know updates will be on buildtheculture.com. They'll continue to give updates as far as uh, the ticketing arrangements for 2024 or the 2024 season, the parking arrangements, because of course there's going to be a huge construction zone while the season's being played next year. So uh, I do believe starting in January, Nick, they're going to start giving updates uh, on that website where we'll know uh, how to how to prepare for the 2024 season with all of the construction going on uh, in the stadium as we attend the games. Yeah, and uh, my question is, 
is the webcam going to be placed in which parking section and do they need an RCAF donation to park there or can you park there for free or are they <laughs> they're going to charge a $60 fee to watch the webcam you know? there you go, there you go. <laughs> plus but, plus RCAF donation that's right plus the RCAF donation like the seat donation it's almost like a token to be able to get on the website anyways so Nick um you you watched the game from your house in uh, Houston um and I know you celebrated Thanksgiving real quickly how was your Thanksgiving it was good. Uh, had some family over, had some spent it time with friends. Um, I will, I will advocate. Okay. Now look, I am a big fried Turkey guy, especially Cajun fried Turkey, that air fryer, the oilless fryer for turkeys. I got to tell you, man, that was so clutch. Cause you didn't have to deal with the oil. You didn't have to deal with the mess. You just put it in there. The skin was crispy. It was juicy on the inside fantastic so if you if you were questioning whether or not to get the oilless air fryer for turkeys get it because it, it was absolutely worth it didn't have any of that nonsense like the the candied yams bs or the all that gross stuff whatever else you eat uh had some great you know cornbread dressing and all that good stuff and then topped it off with an apple pie because i don't like pumpkin pie so uh, all in all it was a great day and enjoyed my time and uh great uh reconnecting with family and friends and and watched a lot of football. So, um, you know, it was too short. I wish it were about a week long, but it was just a couple of days. No, that's awesome, man. And, and look, we, we crammed in our Thanksgiving as well. Uh, Wednesday before the Thanksgiving uh, holiday, my, my wife and I and, and our daughter and dog, we hopped in the car and uh, spent Thanksgiving with my in-laws in New Orleans. And her mom and dad uh, prepared Thanksgiving uh, lunch. And uh, her dad, I think her dad cooked the turkey the same way, believe it or not, outside. And he stuffed it with onions and garlic and all that other delicious stuff inside. And the, the turkey was delicious. And then he cooked a gumbo. He took the rest of the turkey and took the juice and made a gumbo out of it the next day. So he didn't waste he didn't waste any of the good parts of the turkey. So we had that the next day. And uh, it was good. I mean, anytime I go to my in-law's house, we're always going to be fed. And uh, that Friday, we went to this snow globe thing in uh, one of this Mexican restaurant down in Lakeview where they have these snow globes and it's all kind of Christmas stuff. And, and my, my daughter, Allie, had a blast and they had the fake snow. And it was uh, it, we went from Thanksgiving one day to Christmas on Black Friday. So got a lot of, um, of, of holiday spirit in those two days and came back first thing Saturday morning just in time to, uh, to head over to Cajun Field one last time for the football game. So I'll tell you this, man, Sunday. We were just, we were out of it. I mean, Sunday, we had a, we got a good night's sleep Sunday night after that, that four day stretch, but it was a good, it was a good weekend. We had a lot of fun. I was going to say it took you till Sunday because after my company left on Thursday, about four 30, I was out for two hours, man. Yeah. I was, it was so tired. Cause I had been at it since like seven o'clock that morning. Long trying time to prepare, to prepare man. Yeah. But man, let me tell you about, about four 30, I was out till about I mean, it might have been 7.30 I woke back up, and then I didn't know what planet I was on. So it was a good nap that day. I didn't wait. I just I took it all that day. <laughs> well, it was a good post game as well after the game on Saturday. Uh, a lot of people uh, tuned in, called in, uh, gave comments, um, gave a lot of feedback. So we always, as always, appreciate, appreciate Cajun Nation uh, tuning in after the ULM win, giving their two cents. And, um, yeah, we, we, we always try to do that for you guys. So – uh, anyways, um, so I'm glad Nick, you had a great Thanksgiving. Now we get to celebrate Christmas coming up cause it'll be here tomorrow, right? Time just flies as it does. Um, it's crazy. We're almost in 2024 and next thing you know, we're going to be, I was just thinking about it yesterday. Uh, I overheard John Fogarty's center field the other day and I'm like, man, we're, we're almost there. It's almost baseball season. 
we'll be talking about that probably within the next month or so. Uh, and then, of course, right now we're in the middle of basketball season, so we'll have basketball to talk about as well. But um, moving on, first of all, Nick, I want to congratulate. Um, we have six players uh, for Raging Cajuns football that got all Sunbelt honors. Uh, A.J. Gilly and Neil Johnson both made third team all Sunbelt. Congratulations to A.J. and Neil. Personally, I thought they deserved first or second team. I don't know how they got third team, but I'll congratulate them for the honors there. But I do think they were worthy of more. I was going to say, you know, just because you finish, you know, in the bottom half of the standings and conference standings, like you have to, who who's voting on this? Because obviously it's not somebody who's watching the games that these guys play in. They're undoubtedly some of the top talent in the entire Sunbelt Conference. And I, I get it. It's it's just a nice thing to have on your on your resume to say that you were third team, all Sunbelt, whatever. But man, you can't tell me that there are are a bunch of better guys than 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 AJ. I mean, think about AJ Gillian, how much he's contributed through his career here. I mean, just him by himself. Come on, man. He ain't third team. He's at least second team, high second, low first team. Come on, man. Neil too. Neil too. Yeah, and Neil. I, yeah. I left him out, but good God. I mean, what what tight end in the Sunbelt Conference is better than Neil Johnson? I can't name one. All around, I, I don't know. All around, I couldn't tell you. And that's what's crazy about this is that both of those guys, I mean, they're both NFL prospects. So you know they're going to end up on a roster whether they're drafted or not. Somebody's going to sign them come April or May. This really doesn't matter in the in the grand scheme right. of things, but it's just about respect. Like just because, again, it's like it's like when you're looking at the Heisman or the Bolitnikov or whatever those those things are called, those those awards that are given. It doesn't necessarily matter. It shouldn't depend on the team's performance. If you're looking at individual performance, and I think you get the voters get a little bit too caught up on well, how did the team do versus how did that individual player do. Uh, so I'm sure, and look, there are, there were 11, 12 other teams in the conference that you can look around and say, and they can make arguments for their guys too. And we're homers. We want these guys, but man, I'm telling you like AJ and, 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 um, Neil, I, I can't, I can't look around and say there are a whole lot of better guys in the Sunbelt conference. Now, again, I haven't watched every game of every team, but it's, it, when you look at, at, at the you look at the stats on paper and you look at how they perform every week to week and every week for the last, however many years, it's hard to put them against anybody in the, in the Sunbelt and, and say that they're not, uh, not way up there. Yeah. And, and also I think, like you said, it's about the record, you know, the, the perception of the record. Well, this team won nine or 10 games. So that means that their players are, are more worthy of a first or second team honor. And when in reality, I mean, I look at, you could compare it to when players get drafted, right? I mean, peanut Tillman, he played, I mean, in his entire UL career, he won, let's see, one, two, three, nine games, nine games in four years. And he was the first round. He was a first, he was a, the first pick of the second round and he might be in a future hall of famer. So again, it's not about because you play on a, a nine or 10 win team. It's about what you do as the individual. And I'm with you on that. I do think both guys were worthy of, of higher honors. And I mean, you could say that about Stokely. You could say about Ike Taylor. You could say about Jay. You can go down the list. I mean, it's the same thing. You know, they may not have all been uh, a world beating teams, but their individual efforts, they got what they deserved in the end. And I'm sure AJ and Neil are, are it's going to be the same for those guys. They're going to be, like you said, they're going to be playing on Sundays uh, and uh, it'll be fun to, uh, it'll be fun to watch. Of course. And um, no, so look, I know I, personally, 
we think they deserved higher, but we'll congratulate them on making third team. It's still it's still an honor to do that. They're all conference players. So congratulations to AJ Gilly and Neil Johnson. Also, four other players making all Sunbelt honorable mention, which include Kendra Gant, Peter LeBlanc, Casey Osai, and Nate Thomas. Congratulations to those four guys as well, all four of which contributed in their own way. Um, their household names for us. So uh, no surprise that they were all mentioned or all honored in some kind of way. Yeah. And I'm mad about Gant because I think he should have been much yeah, higher as well. Higher than that. Yeah. <laughs> but again, again, Kendra Gant, Peter LeBlanc, Casey Osai, and Nathan Thomas, all, all Sunbelt honorable mention. Okay. So congratulations to those guys. Uh, Nick, this is the second straight time. Uh, I forgot to mention this in the last segment, but after beating ULM, this is the second time in a row where after a loss to Louisiana that ULM basically fired their head coach. Um, this happened, in the, I believe, after the 2020 season with Coach Matt Viatar, which actually they did him a favor because now he's on our staff, which I'm very happy about to have Coach Viatar on our staff. We were joking after that happened. We were like, you know, what are you are you guys crazy for firing this like Matt Viatar the guy the guy did a great job over at ULM for what ULM had well what do they do history repeats itself after the loss to the Cajuns on Saturday uh ULM decided to fire Terry Bowden after a 10 and 26 season he was uh they um, 10 and 26 record he was there for three seasons and they were like nope not good enough you gotta go so now Terry Bowden uh, was re- relieved of his duties at ULM. And so my question is, if Matt Viatar and Terry Bowden can't get it done, and those are two guys who succeeded elsewhere, right? Terry Bowden won at Akron. He won at Auburn. You have coach uh, Matt Viatar, who was successful at, at McNeese. Who are you going to get if you re- if you try to have a certain expectation at a school at, at, like ULM that does not have the resources or the funding or the money that say most Sunbelt schools have. I mean, they've had the lowest athletic budget in all of FBS. Who do you go get as a coach? And and what kind of expectations do you set for yourself with the fact that you do you do lack in resources compared to your peers in your conference? I thought you were going to say that uh, that Coach Bowden will come coach for for UL. I mean, if he wants to come coach for us, have at it, man. We'll we'll take that experience any day. Uh, but to answer your question, Jerry, I think I think the answer has already been given to us. Now, I may be way off. I may be be completely off on this, but Coach Broderick Fobbs, he was the Grambling State head coach and a current assistant coach with ULM that is now serving in the interim position. I think that is the answer to your question. And, and I'm not going to say it's a discount higher because I don't know how attractive that job is. Now, it is an FBS head coaching job, so... Its attractiveness is based on the resources that the school will give you to be successful. My question is, how committed are they to making it a successful position? And I I don't know the answer to that question because we all know that that Coach Bowden, just on his name, you would think that's an impressive hire. But if you don't have the resources to get the staff that you want and to 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 do the recruiting that you want and NIL deals, et cetera. It's going to be really tough to be successful in Monroe, Louisiana. It's going to be, let's be honest, it would be tough to to do that in in Ruston. You see, you're seeing what's going on there. And if if we make a bad hire, it'll be tough here as well. So, to answer your question, I think it's going to be Coach Fobbs because he's already an assistant coach on the team. I don't know that they're going to attract anybody to come over that 
will demand resources because I don't think they're going to get the resources that they want or need to be successful. So I think Coach Fobbs is the answer. And again, he's got previous head coaching experience, so it's not like you have a guy who's never coached at, at any level of college. He has. He's been a college head coach. So I, I think there's the answer to your question, Jerry. I think it's Coach Fobbs. Yeah. Um, I, I like I like Coach Fobbs. He, he has shown success. I think it was Grambling, right? He, he was a head coach at Grambling. Correct. He actually was a success. He did a great job over there. And to be honest with you, if there's somebody who can, I mean, look, when he took over at Grambling, Grambling was financially not in good shape. Do you remember when all that stuff went down about 10 years ago where players were taking pictures of their facilities Yeah, and players were like protesting? They didn't want to go play. Well, he took over when that when when that stuff went down and, and he turned that program around pretty fast. I mean, he, he did a great job. So he has a history. We, we've seen that he has a history of doing that. Now, granted, you're comparing FCS to FBS, but he's He's been there, done that at a program before. Maybe if he can kind of bring that same attitude to ULM, I, I think that can work. Again, I don't like. I don't know what what they're looking for. Uh, I do know that their their athletic director held a press conference the other day, and he even said it's out of the question we will not drop to FCS. So obviously, they have a certain level of commitment to show that they will try to do the best they can. Especially try. I think what he was trying to insinuate as well. He wants to take advantage. He wants to take advantage of the fact that he even said it. We're in the best G5 conference out there, the Sunbelt Conference. We have to get better, and we have to be able to take advantage of that and use that to our, to, to, to our, our strength. And so I think, I think what they're going to do is they're going to probably find a coach like another Terry Bowden who has a name. I think they're going to try to find somebody even – because the last – look, Terry Bowden and Matt Viertal were both successful coaches – they're going to try to find somebody like that who is kind of established, I would think, and see if they can go to Monroe and do it with with what they have. Um, I, I look at ULM financially, Nick, kind of like where we were like 15, 20 years ago. Is, does that is that would you say that's pretty no. accurate? No, I, I totally agree. I, I do think that that's uh, that's accurate. Look, I'm, I'm telling you, it's like I said, Texas State was for a while ULM, but with money like uh you know, they have the potential to be to be good, and they they play teams tough. Now, not always, because we saw last weekend that they did not. But going back historically, even though they've not been at any point a dominating force in the Sun Belt, they've managed to upset a couple teams to ruin their days. And with the recruiting talent that we have in the state of Louisiana, I think they just need to find somebody who can recruit to local guys. If they can do that, they can be successful. And look, I I always expect that we should beat ULM in everything, but a better ULM means a better Sunbelt Conference, and a better ULM means that we have to mind our P's and Q's and be a better UL. So I have zero problems with ULM improving. I hope they do. All that talk and chatter, I'm glad their AD shut it down. As much as we like to make fun of them, they're a founding member of the of our football conference. And uh, these new members coming in, wanting to boot them out, they can just shut up because they're going to be here as long as they want to be here. And uh, they deserve to be here. Look, they again, they may not, they may not uh, beat the door down on the conference championship every year, but I think they're just uh, one coaching hire away from being a pretty decent team, a pretty decent program. And so, um, you know, I wish them luck because, like I said, a better ULM means a better conference, and I'm all about that. Well, I think the main thing we've always said is we want ULM to 
to succeed because it makes the conference better as a whole. I mean, you, you, you want every team to be good. I mean, right now you have 12 out of 14 teams that are playing in bowls. I mean, that's unheard of, especially at, at a G5 level. And, and for the Sun Belt to do that is, is very impressive. So I want the Sun Belt to be the hardest conference it can be. And I want, I want our path to a championship to be a meat grinder. I know it sounds crazy. I know sometimes we'd rather get it easily like we've done in softball consistently, but it makes us better because it challenges us. It challenges us to recruit. It challenges us to keep up with our facilities. What happens is, is when you start winning easily because you have no competition, what happens? What does it bring about? Complacency. Complacency. <laughs> Complacency. So, so when you have a conference with 12 bowl eligible teams out of your 14 members, you can't get complacent there because every game, every team, every level of competition is going to be a challenge no matter who you play. We've seen it this year. The teams we lost to, Old Dominion, Georgia State, they're both going to bowl games. Arkansas State is going to a bowl game. Uh, I mean, I mean, the only team that's not going to a bowl game that we lost to was Southern Miss. And look, Southern Miss, I don't expect them to be three and nine forever. I expect them to get better. I mean, Coach Will Hall, he fired three or four of his staff, uh, coach uh, staff members this past week. So they're, they're, they're getting back to where they need to be. So again, Nick, I love the fact that everybody is making each other better in this conference. And I think ULM is on the right track. They just need some commitment. They need some commitment. The fans need to get back on board and just trust that process because I do think they have the right athletic director in place. He's done a, he has done a great job when he was at Utah state. Uh, he showed a lot of commitment uh, from what I saw in that press conference the other day when he talked about the path that uh, they want to take as not only a football program, but a program as a whole. And by the way, they do have a nice couch. Did you see that couch in that, yeah, in that room? That unused Man. couch or I don't know. They must have been in their football like clubhouse seating area. It's got to be because I would have sat on that couch. Why was nobody sitting? Nobody on was sitting couch? on it. Yeah, like everybody That's just insane. Sitting. It's almost like a shrine. Like, don't touch the couch. It's sacred. No, man, go jump and lay down and lay out, man. I'm with you. Now, um, let me ask you this question, because obviously we don't want to turn this into a ULM show. But yeah. what if Coach HUD was offered the job and took the job in, at ULM? How would you feel about that? I'd love it. I'd love would it. You? Because here's the thing. They need somebody to get that fan base motivated. Like we talk about our attendance and we talk about our lack of support sometimes. Theirs is like 10 times, 100 times worse than ours. And that's across the board. Not just like, at least for us, we could put 5,000 people at a game for basketball if we wanted to. We could put five, 6,000 people in the Teague. We can put two, 3,000 people at our softball games. Heck, we could put over 20,000 for, for a homecoming football game right now, in spite of everything that's going on. ULM can't do any of that. They, have, they can't do it for basketball. They don't bring anybody to their baseball games. Their softball stadium is, is almost equivalent to a high school field. Their football attendance has been, I don't even know the last time they went over 20,000 at their games. So if there's anybody to get that, to rejuvenate that fan base and resurrect that fan base and the enthusiasm for that fan base is Coach Hud. Uh, it would be awkward playing him. It would be awkward seeing him on the other sideline. But if there's anybody that can get that fan base motivated and, and excited, why not him? I mean, look, he's coaching at the high school level right now. He took over a Gulf Shores team that won like two games. He's in the semifinal right now, ranked number one in the state. And in two seasons, he did it. He did it at Austin P. His first year, won 11 games, brought him to the FCS quarterfinals. Look at what he did for us. He's got a track record of success. He has a track record of turning teams around. Now, do I think it's going to be harder for him to do that at ULM? Yes. I don't expect the man to win 10 games his first year, but I do think he can create a little sense of, um, 
sense of excitement and bring them to bowl eligibility. I, I don't think that's a far off goal. And it could even bring excitement to our game against them every Absolutely. year. Absolutely. You know, so fun. I don't know. I kind of like it. I kind of like it. Now, look, does he bring baggage with that success? Yes, he does. But I think if you're looking for somebody to rejuvenate Monroe, which I don't know was ever juvenated, so I don't know if you're rejuvenating them. But if you're looking for somebody to go pump some uh, some enthusiasm into that program, he's the guy. So it'll be again. I still think Coach Fobbs is going to be the guy who who leads that team forward. But we'll see how things go in the next couple of days. No doubt about it. And uh, I do know that they announced as of Monday, the next seven to ten days, we will know who the uh, head coach at ULM will be. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that. And again. You know, we don't like ULM that much, obviously, but we do want them to succeed just like everybody else in the conference, except when they play the Cajuns, except when they play us. And speaking of head coaches, other news around the Sun Belt, Coach Kurt Signetti officially signing on with the Indiana Hoosiers. He is leaving Virginia for and moving upstate to Indiana to the Big Ten. Uh, that was announced earlier today. Kind of curious to see what the contract's going to consist of. It's going to be interesting because now, you, now he's not only going to be playing uh, Ohio State in Maryland and Michigan. Now he's going to be playing USC, UCLA, and Washington as uh, as as his uh, conference opponent. And um, yeah, it's going to be def it's definitely going to be a challenge for him at a school like that. So I personally look JMU. Say what you want about them, they have a very impressive track record early on coming into the FBS and doing what they've done. They're ranked in the top twenty-five. They're in a bowl game. Impressive. Why would you make a move to Indiana? Like I, I may, maybe it's just me. I thought he would have been more worthy of a bigger job than that. Well, I think um, I think one he's probably he's probably coming up coming up with his retirement plan. Um, I think they offered him, if I remember, I can't find it again, but I think it was in the in the realm of ten million guaranteed for five years. I mean, if you give me ten million guaranteed, I will sign for a pee wee football league. I don't care who you are, so. Um, he may be planning for his his retirement, and and I have no issues with that. Look, Indiana is going to give you the money that you need to succeed. It's just they seem to never put it together. I mean, heck, we it, we were a field goal away from beating them in at Indiana with a, a bustle team. I remember I was driving to Gulf Shores when that happened. So they just never seem to get to put put it together. Uh, it's going to be a, again. It'll be a huge challenge for him. But look, if any Power Five, quote Power Five conference team offers you ten million for five years, most coaches will take that. Now, I think, I think uh, Napier was a little more strategic in in what he wanted to do and what he saw down the line, and he knew what he could do there. And I honestly think that that the year he left, he left because it would be a rebuilding you know, rebuilding after he would leave. He knew that. So if he had to leave, it would be then. I don't know if this is the same case for him, but again, 10 million over five years, if that's the case, he's going to take it. And and I just thought it was so funny that JMU fans were saying, well, he's, he's just so committed to us. He'll never leave. It doesn't matter what dollar amount. These people, these fans of James Madison, man, I'm telling you, I love having James Madison as a part of our conference. They're proven winners. Look at their basketball team ranked, their football team ranked. I mean, they're great athletics programs, softball strong. I mean, heck, their baseball team swept us, which was stupid, by the way. But anyway, we're not going to get into that today. But 
you got to respect their their commitment to athletics, but man, their fan base, like high school fan base. I mean, they were mad. They were, they were mad because they couldn't throw streamers at Coastal Carolina. They thought their coach would never leave them for $10 million or any dollar amount because he's committed. Look, a coach is only as committed as he is to his next paycheck. And if somebody's going to come off for more money, a lot more life-changing money, you're going to take it. And so he did that. Now, I, I don't I don't hate him for it, just like I don't hate Napier for taking the Florida job. Now, I hate what he did after. But I think there's going to be a, a little reality check for those JMU fans because they, they are thinking, well, we're just going to keep all the players we have and all the coaching staff and we'll be fine. That ain't the case. We learned the hard way last year. We tried to tell ourselves that wouldn't happen. But there's going to be a lot of turnover. There's going to be a lot of change for this J- James Madison program. And uh, it's, you know, it's not guaranteed you're going to have the success you had this year with a new coach and a new coaching staff and new players because there are already players dropping out of their commitments right now and opening it up to other teams. So it'll be interesting to see how that transpires. But man, if if we could keep James Madison and and relegate their fans to a different conference, I'd be, I'd be totally okay with that. Look, you can't, I can't blame them for their passion though. I'll give them that right now that the, the, the constant, I will say, and I'm, I'm going to be a two-parter here, right? First of all, I love their passion, and we knew coming in that they have a diehard fan base. But after a while, when they've told, when, like, for example, when you appeal two or three times and they've told you no that many times, just just give it up, all right? You and tried. You, sue. you try to yeah. sue. You tried. They said no. Move on. Yeah, it's part of the rules, right? I heard they're appealing this coaching hire at Indiana. They're probably going to try to sue to keep them, you know? I don't know. I saw the inside jokes all over social media. But look, <laughs> they set that up for themselves, right? They set that up for themselves. Not taking away their successes, right? Football's ranked. They, basketball's ranked. They've got a really, really big commitment to their athletic program based on their facilities and, and just the jump they made to, to this level uh, of the F- FBS and the Sunbelt Conference. But man, after a while, it's like, guys, Come on. I know you're upset, but I don't have to hear this every day. Okay. I don't have to hear the, young, I don't need young and the restless coming out of Virginia because you didn't get what you wanted with your bowl game. Right. And look, they, it was the ironic part, Nick. They're still in a bowl. They still made it. Right. Them and Jacksonville state are in a bowl now. So, so like, can we stop please? Like, can we stop yang yang about that? So anyways, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, Kurt Signetti officially heading over to Indiana to be the head coach of the Hoosiers. Other breaking news, once again, star quarterback for the Astroclayers is, is once again going in the portal. Once again going in the portal. Grayson McCall announcing his departure again. Deja vu. And you know what's funny about that? Well, first of all, what's funny about it is the, I guess he doesn't piss teal anymore joke that's going around, but Second thing is, you know, Grayson McCall was in the transfer portal last year and rumor has it, he didn't get picked up by another team, not because of his talent, because he couldn't make the grades. And now you're telling me he's graduating. Is that, is that, so he's, he's going to be a graduate transferring. So it's my understanding. You have to actually graduate to be a graduate transfer. Is that, is that the truth? Or do you have to be I in believe, your... I believe that's the case. So, I think that's so the So you're rule. telling me <laughs> you were, you with all the talent you have across the entire 136 teams in FBS, nobody could take you because of the rumored your grades, but let, yet you graduated from coastal. Something's a little fishy. Either coastal a- academics ain't really up there, which I would probably put money on that. They're not really up there. 
or uh, or they're doing some fancy uh, fancy grading for you to be able to graduate. But interestingly enough, he's no longer pissing teal and he's going to transfer somewhere else for his fifth or whatever season. No doubt about it. And uh, that'll be interesting to see where he goes. Uh, the fact that he's leaving again. And I believe this will be his last year, right? So he's a graduate. So he has one year left of eligibility, correct? Yeah, th would this think. would be it for him. Unless yeah. he gets injured then and appeals and all that well, stuff. You know, with all these NCAA rules, you just don't know anymore. With the COVID year and now you know, players are getting extra years. Speaking of which, back to Louisiana football. Ben Wooldridge gets another year back from his medical. He gets another medical red shirt. And he will be returning to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns football team next year. So Ben's coming back. I'm curious to see how that's going to pan out. And I know there's a lot of people with different ideas of why there's been rumors that, Oh, is Zion going to stay? Is did somebody offer him an NIL deal? Is he going to transfer? Is, are we going to have a quarterback battle? What's going to happen? Oh my gosh. You know, um, I would think I personally, my personal opinion, I would think with Ben being as injury prone as he is because he has had two straight season ending injuries. And I really feel bad for him for that. I would think that he would be more of a leader, like a play of a leadership role. And I would think that Zion would be QB one going into the spring. If he's healed, that's just my guess, depending on what his recovery period looks like. Nick, you're giving me a face. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what, 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 what your idea of this may be. What do you think? I mean, what, what's the situation? My idea of this is reality, and that's we're going to go into the fall and the spring with two quarterbacks fighting it out for QB1. Don't and do it. It's going to happen. Jer Jerry, you know Don't deep inside it. of your soul it's going to happen, and we're going to have a quarterback controversy. I, I won't say we're going to have a quarterback controversy. I will say, and look, I love Ben. I think he has a ton of talent, but I will say, if Ben Wooldridge is the starter going into next year, then you have a controversy because the rest of the fan base is going to be looking for Zeon as the future. I don't know, man. I, I'm just, look. And again, there's there's so much that goes into this and there are a lot of things that can happen and and maybe that is the 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 end goal is for, for Ben to be the leader and for Zeon to be the QB1. But I'm telling you, I'm not having a warm and fuzzy inside and I'm feeling like we're going to have this this competition in the spring again and god help me if we go to this dual quarterback thing i may just quit everything ever i may quit my job in being so <laughs> aggravated with everything we cannot go back to two quarterback rotation and and i don't know man i'm just i'm not feeling great about this but look i'm glad ben's coming back i i don't want that to be lost i like ben i like zeon like both of them I just, I don't know where this is going and I don't like it. I don't like not knowing where things are going. But Nick, I, don't, I think every fan who, who sees this thinks the same thing. It's in the back of our minds, right? So I didn't want to say the quiet part out loud. I knew you were about to say it anyway. And just my reaction to it, and I'm not going to say much because you pretty much said everything that I was going to say. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Okay, you you look, we all know going into next season who the who QB1 and who the quarterback should be. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens in the spring. We got time, right? We still have a bowl game to play. Got a few months to worry about that stuff. So we'll focus on that for right now. We'll worry about that when springtime comes, right? Because I think both quarterbacks should be ready 
uh, by the spring, hopefully, hopefully. So anyways, moving forward. So let's talk a little bit about what's going on around the Sun Belt. Uh, we'll review what happened last week to close out the regular season. So first of all, Troy already winners of the Western Division head over to Southern Miss, defeated Southern Miss uh, on senior day in Hattiesburg. Troy victorious over the Golden Eagles by the score of 35 to 17. That concluded Southern Miss's uh, regular season, and they finished the season with a three and nine record, including an overtime win over Louisiana. Old Dominion, what a way to get bowl eligible and keep their season going. It's one of those movie scenes, right? Where, you know, you have one more play and it determines whether or not the, the season ends. Sure enough, with two seconds to go, uh, Old Dominion scores a touchdown, I believe, for, out from the two-yard line to uh, defeat Georgia State by the score of 25-24. to 24. They are officially bowl eligible with that winning touchdown. Georgia State, I don't know if we broke them or something, but Georgia State starts the season 6-1 and one with a defeat over the Cajuns, and ever since, they've lost five straight games. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Did we break um, them? Even with, our, even with sacrificing a loss, did we break them? What happened? We seem to do that. Like, we did that to Texas State, I think, and we did it to them. We seem to do that every season. We break a, a team or two. So it feels like we did. They were they were rolling until they beat us. And then I don't know. Maybe we're maybe we have the Marie Laveau voodoo or something yeah. that we, we break out when we need to. But um yeah, interesting, interesting way that their season has gone, you know, the rest of the way. It is. And so Old Dominion now bowl eligible. They'll be going bowling as well as Georgia State in spite of their five game losing streak. But again, ODU wins against Georgia State 25 to 24. And by the way, before you go on, I want to say I am uh, I'm, I'm excited for ODU, man. I mean, me too. Me too. they, they kind of were up and down all season, but we saw a lot of potential there. And I think the future is bright for ODU. And again, a strong ODU is a strong Sunbelt. So uh, looking forward to. Uh, to what they do uh, the rest of their, uh, I guess, in their bowl game and then next season, I think it's going to be a big one for them. No doubt about it. And uh, no, congrats to ODU and congrats to Georgia State. Both teams going bowling, adding more value to the Sunbelt Conference and bowl eligible teams. Uh, anyway, Marshall, another team becomes bowl eligible. The Thundering Herd defeat Arkansas State by the score of 35 to 21. Both teams, just like Old Dominion and Georgia State, finished the season at six and six. So Marshall and Arkansas State both will be bowling come December, January. So, um, yeah, no, both teams ended up six and six. Both teams get to play another game. App State, big victory over their arch rival, Georgia Southern. App State wins on senior day in Boone by the score of 55 to 27. App State with that win will represent the Sunbelt East as they will take on Troy for the Sunbelt Conference Championship. And uh, Georgia Southern will finish the season 6-6. Six and six. I believe they're on a four-game losing skid as well. They'll be going bowling as well. JMU, big win over Coastal Carolina in Conway. Ironically, this is the second year in a row where they beat them by 40-plus. Uh, JMU victorious over the Chanticleers by the score of 56-14. to 14. And uh, with that win, JMU finishes the regular season 11-1. and one. Again, because of the uh, lack of bowl-eligible teams, uh, JMU will be going bowling. Uh, and Coastal as well, uh, they'll be going bowling also. 
Texas State finishes out the season with a 7-5 and five record. This is their first official winning season, I believe, in a decade or so. Uh, they win over South Alabama by the score of 52-44. to 44. Uh, Both teams, Texas State and South Alabama, will be bowling as well. And, of course, last but not least, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns defeat the ULM Warhawks by the score of 52-21. to 21. And, of course, because of that win, the Cajuns will go bowling, and ULM season comes to an end uh, at 2-10 and 10 with a 10-game losing streak. And this week for the conference title, as I mentioned earlier, Appalachian State will travel to Troy, Alabama to take on the Troy Trojans. Kickoff will be at 3 p.m., and you can watch the game on the Mothership ESPN. So the Trojans and the Mountaineers for the conference title. So that's going to do it for uh, some of the Sunbelt news. Um, let's real quickly, we'll run through uh, women's basketball. It won't take long. We'll talk a little bit of men's basketball as we're, we are currently in the middle of a game right now that uh, both Nick and I are not too pleased with. I don't think Cajun Nation's too pleased with it either as we're taking on Sanford. Not going too well for the Cajuns, just a few minutes left to go. Starting off with women's basketball, Coach Gary Broadhead and the girls taking on Loyola as in an exhibition on Monday night, the first double double header. Uh, Cajuns were victorious over the Loyola Wolfpack out of New Orleans by the score of 76 to 47. Uh, the Cajuns, uh, women's basketball team currently sits with a two and two record. They will travel to New Orleans this weekend to take on the privateers of UNO. Uh, tip off is at two o'clock, and you can watch the game on ESPN Plus or the Varsity Network app at 1033 The Goat or, uh, or, or 1420 AM. So, men's basketball. Men's basketball had the Gulf Coast Showcase last week. We already discussed their games against Wright State as well as Buffalo going one and one there. Uh, Cajuns, big win to close that out against the Long Beach State 49ers. 18 three-pointer shot uh, in that game for the Louisiana. They were victorious over Long Beach State by the score of 92-82. to 82. Very impressive win last Wednesday going into the Thanksgiving break before coming uh, home to Lafayette. Leading off in the stats uh, in their win against um, Long Beach State, Kentrell Garnett had 20 points, three assists, four rebounds, made four three-pointers against the 49ers, as well as Joe Charles, who had 16 points, three assists, 10 rebounds, also four three-pointers. And rounding it out, Kobe Julian, uh, 14 points, two rebounds, and another one, making it a trio, four three-pointers. So between those three guys, 12 three-pointers. And, um, yeah, again, 14 points, two rebounds, four three-pointers. And, of course, I can't forget of uh, Hosanna Contingue, 10 points, two assists, seven rebounds. So, huge win against Long Beach State. Very impressive win against Long Beach State, a team that defeated uh, Michigan a few weeks earlier. Uh, they came back uh, on Monday to take on Loyola, second game of that doubleheader after the women's team played them. Now this game counted. This was not an exhibition, but Louisiana, what they were victorious over the Loyola of New Orleans Wolfpack by the score of 78 to 44. And uh, that extended the Cajun Dome home win streak to 18 games, rounding out the Cajuns victory over the Wolfpack. Kobe Julian had 19 points, two assists, three steals. Famous Falks had 18 points, four assists and four rebounds. And uh, Hosanna Contingue had eight points, two assists, seven rebounds, three steals. And of course, right now, 
Um, <laughs> the look, the Cajuns are taking on Samford. Uh, also want to give a shout out to Kobe Julian after his wonderful performance down in Estero, Florida for the Gulf Coast Showcase. His performances uh, in that tournament was good enough to give him Sunbelt Player of the Week honor. So congratulations to Kobe Julian. And so, uh, no, we just, we're going to need him as the season goes on. Right now, currently, Nick, the Cajuns are taking on uh, the Sanford Bulldogs in uh, Alabama or in Birmingham, Alabama. Looks like the Cajuns are going to drop this one. Right now, with uh, 2.50 left to play in the second half, uh, Louisiana trails Sanford by the score of 84-60. to 60. Um, We said going into the season, or especially as this, from what we've seen the last or the first seven games that we're going to have to shoot lights out from three point range to win, to, to win because our inside game has not been as aggressive. It hasn't been intense. It's been pretty inconsistent this year because Ozana Kintinge, you got to replace guys like Jordan Brown and that's natural, but it, it, you would hope that it improves as time goes on because we are fast on the transition. We do do, we do a good job on a fast break and we can shoot from the perimeter but when you can't shoot from the perimeter, you have to depend on your inside game. We tried that tonight. Nick, from the first, just from the first half alone against Sanford, the Cajuns were one for 10 from the three-point line, hence a 16-point deficit going into the locker room. And uh, they're getting outscored by eight points in the second half. This is one of those games where the coaching staff and this team, they're going to have to get back to the drawing board because this was a really, really disappointing performance uh, in Birmingham. And it's not even over yet. Yeah, I mean, down by 24, they still got 230 left. So uh, they, there's still a lot of ball, ball to be played. But when you look at uh, Samford, you know, you're, you're thinking if for us to get blown out that bad, they must be a fantastic team. Um, and they're five and two on the season. Not going to take anything away from that. But their wins are again Mississippi against Mississippi College, South Carolina State, Alabama State, Miramac, and North Carolina A&T. Their two losses were against Purdue, who's really good, and VCU. They lost by 10 to VCU. Guess who beat VCU? McNeese, right? Earlier in the season. So I'm not going to say they're a bad team. They're they're a solid team. But you don't expect to go on the road against Sanford and get blown out. And that's exactly what they're doing. And and look, they've looked chaotic offensively tonight. They weren't hitting the threes. Inside game wasn't cutting it. I this one was hard to watch. I mean, it's it's like a train wreck. I keep looking. <laughs> I keep looking at it because I can't look away. It's it's just it was not a good performance, and there's no way you can sugarcoat it. This was just not good tonight. I think what was frustrating about tonight, it's just the fact that we want to. We want to play all around basketball, right? We want to be able to play on the inside. We want to be able to shoot from outside. And it's just tough because now if we drop a game like this, now other teams have film on us. They know how to beat us. They're going to make a shoot from outside. Now, with Long Beach State, it worked. We hit 18 three-pointers. But, Nick, you're not going to hit 18 three-pointers every game, man. Correct. It's not going to do it. You can't. Nope. So you got – I mean – that's what's concerning about this year. And look, we, we've talked about it before about where our it's cyclical with our basketball program program. We, we make the, uh, the tournament. And then the next year we, we don't get out of the semifinals or the quarterfinals for the, for the Sumbo conference tournament. This is looking like one of those years. 
Now, I'm not, again, we're only seven, eight games into the season, so I'm not going to press the panic button or anything at this at this point, but I'm just saying if you're looking small sample size and the way they're performing tonight, like they've got to they've got to figure it out because like you said, other teams are going to figure it out. They are already figuring it out against us. Obviously tonight, um, Sanford has it, has it figured out. So we got to come up with a better game plan and not rely on just hitting the threes because like you said, we're not going to, we're not going to hit it outside the arc every night. We're not going to be on fire. And if we rely on that to win ball games, that's going to be really tough for us. Yeah, there's no question about that. And and right now, look, this it's like we talk about in football. This conference is not getting any easier. I mean, we have right now, I understand if you look at the conference standings, you have some teams that have dropped some games they might not they shouldn't have dropped, but you know these teams are going to get better, right? Prime example, Hattiesburg, Southern Miss, right? They dropped some games early on that you're looking and you're like, this is not the Southern Miss team that won the conference last year. But you know with the talent they have, it's go they're going to improve before conference play. And I hope we're the same way, right? Tonight could be a fluke for all we know. But again, as of right now, we cannot afford to beat teams by just shooting threes. We have to be able to shoot from the inside. We have to continue to play an inside game. And we have to learn how to rebound. The game we lost against Wright State last week, Nick, we were out-rebounded by seven, 17 rebounds. You can't, you're not going to beat anybody doing that. You got to play on both sides of the court. Well, the like I said, the cyclical thing where we do after every NCAA appearance, it's, it's going to come into fruition if we don't get better quick. Agreed. Agreed. So it is official. The Cajuns do drop this game to the Sanford Bulldogs by the final score of 88 to 65. So it is a final. Cajuns record now sits at five and three. They'll have a nine day rest period, a nine day break before heading to Ruston to take on Louisiana Tech next Saturday at 2 p.m. You can listen to the game on KPAL 96.5 FM or watch the game on ESPN Plus. So Look, nine-day break, man. After today, you got nine days to fix it. Nine days. That's a long time. By the way, I'm going to I'm gonna change the subject on you real quick. So I just got a text from one of my buddies that uh, forwarded this, this Twitter to me. It looks like Dave Schultz retweeted a uh, breaking news story out of South Alabama. Colin Lacey is entering the transfer portal for South Alabama. Huge wow. news for the Western Division. Wow. That's big. Oh my gosh. That, that hurts for them. Let me tell you, because he was he was a big part of their offense. Obviously, you saw how talented he was. So uh big hit for South Alabama. He's their best receiver. He's their best receiver. So that's a, that's a huge loss for the Jaguar offense, especially considering. I mean, if you look at his stats, it's I mean, it's all conference material right there. Right. Um, I, going into that game, I said I remember previewing the game when I was we were doing our research I said you you gotta I mean we're gonna have to press on him or at least key in on him he's what was the, one of their top their top weapons so losing him is huge for that offense especially a developing offense their offense was really good this year yeah sorry like I said sorry to change the subject it no, just, that's that huge was, news man that was something we needed to mention <laughs> so I'm gonna go through the stats real quick tonight uh as we cover this uh loss to Sanford Again, Cajuns drop uh, tonight's game against the Sanford Bulldogs, 88 to 65. Their record now sits at five and three. Sanford improves to six and two. Uh, just some key stats here um, to kind of round up, just to round it up. Um, Cajuns, uh, point wise and scoring wise, they were led by Colby Julian. 
uh, Kobe had 29 points. Uh, he had six rebounds and he was nine from 16 from the field, three for five on three point from three point range, as well as Joe Charles with 10 points, uh, five rebounds and no assist. He was four from 11 from field from, from the field, zero for three from three point range. Now I'm gonna just go with team stats here. And this is really what stuck out to me. Cajuns from the field, 25 of 63, 39.7% from the field. And this, this is where, now this is the key stat right here, Nick. All right. This is the key stat that can make it or break it for this team as the season goes on. Three points, three pointer. All right. Three pointers, three for 19, 15.8% from three point range tonight. 15.8%. Wow. Not going to win many games doing that. Not going to win many games living and dying by the three. Nope. We got to get better, man. Got to get better. As I look at Samford, let's see. Samford, okay, so we were 39.7 from the field. Samford was 54.4 from the field. Now, Samford was only 29.4 from the from the three-point range, from three-point range, but they doubled... <laughs> They doubled our percentage. Uh, also, too, okay, free throw percentage. Sanford, 77.8. They were 21 of 27 from the free throw line. Cajuns, 12 of 22, 54.5%. Got to do better. Got to do better. And once again, Cajuns out-rebounded by 17. Cajuns had 28 rebounds. Sanford had 45 rebounds. Uh, Sanford had 17 assists. The Cajuns had seven. Both teams had 13 steals, and uh, Cajuns had 15 turnovers. Sanford had 18 turnovers. Each team had 20 fouls, and uh, Cajuns did not lead one time in this game, and Sanford's largest lead was 27. So everything that could have gone wrong for the Cajuns pretty much went wrong tonight. Uh, let's hope that uh, this happened at a crucial time for a nine-day break again because, look, you're going to Ruston, and as much as we like to give Louisiana Tech a hard time, their basketball team's pretty good. And you're going to their house. They're decent in the regular season. Then they, <laughs> they then yeah. I mean they can't they do anything made, outside of that. They haven't made that. the dance, you know, in 30 something years. But you know, when we go play there, it's always going to be a tough matchup. So nine days to figure it out, Nick. Nine days. What I don't want to hear, Jerry, is excuses from anyone. I don't want to hear, well, you know, the they they were there were this many fouls called against us, and I don't want to hear traveling wasn't called and blah blah blah. Like, like, be be real. Tell us what the issues are. Tell us how you're going to fix it. Um, because, you know, it doesn't matter how many fouls the other team had tonight. It doesn't matter if, if traveling wasn't called. I saw a couple of bad calls, you know, that should have gone our way that that didn't. That didn't that that didn't result in the 24 point loss or however many points we lost tonight. There were that was a team loss. That was a team effort to get beat that bad. Uh, by Sanford. So again, no disrespect to Sanford. I'm sure they're a solid, solid basketball team, but you would expect coming off of an NCAA tournament appearance where you, you hung, hung with Tennessee that you'd perform better on the road against Sanford tonight. And, and we just didn't cut it. So, and, and again, I know Jordan Brown's not with us this year. He's riding the bench in Memphis or wherever he is. He's at Memphis now, right? So he's yeah. riding the bench wherever he is. And I get that we don't have him uh, on the team, but we got to figure out how to win without Jordan Brown. And we've done that several times. And again, look, we've had some good wins this season, but just really disappointing performance when you go on the road in Stanford. And I, I don't, I, I think from what I've heard, it would, it was going to be a tough game, 
But a tough game to me is losing by nine, you know, losing by six, not not getting completely dominated. That was just disappointing tonight. Well, there's no excuse. You lost by 24 to a team you dominated last year. Well, there'll be excuses, Jerry. <laughs> I and almost... I don't want to hear. And look, I don't want to hear. Well, they had the game circled on their calendar because we came to we came to town and we were the team. You know, we were the big game for them. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. We're past that. No excuses. Own well, up we're to past it. that, Jerry. I don't know well, if I mean, others we, are past that. Well, our fans have been. I mean, we've been past that a long time. <laughs> but there's no no. Tonight you lost by 24. There's no excuse. I don't want to hear about how many free throws the other team. I mean, it's the same thing when we lost to Toledo. Oh well, they shot more free throws than us. Well, you get we gave up an 18 or was it 18 point lead? Yes, sir. Inconsistent. Got to get yep. better. Got to yep. get better. I agree. So, all right. Now let's get to the bread and butter of, of this conversation tonight. Uh, we've talked enough about, you know, the Cajuns football game against ULM. We've talked basketball. We've talked about what's going on around the Sun Belt. First of all, before we talk about this, if any of you are a raging Cajun season ticket holder for football and you have an email address that they send information to, you should have received a survey from the university or the athletic department on what your thoughts were for game day experience at Cajun Field. We've posted it all over social media. We've shown you where to go. Make sure you answer that survey. Give them your feedback, you know, because here's why. All we talk, look, some people think we complain all the time. Some people think if you go on Rage and Page and people complain, oh, their fans complain, blah, blah, blah. This is your chance to give them legitimate feedback. This is our Yelp. This is our Google review. If they're asking you for a good review, give them everything that you think that was good, that was bad, that was great, that was awful, that you would want them to do again, that you wouldn't want them to do again come next year for game day experiences, give them your feedback. So if you received an email a few days ago uh, about the game day experience, it's a, it's a survey monkey fan survey. Make sure you answer it. Make sure you respond. Uh, Nick, I had to get that out the way because you know, we always be, you know, we, we go on message boards and stuff and we give our feedback. Well, this is direct feedback back to the administration. Tell them how you feel and a good, whether you like it or you don't, it's good or bad. This is your chance. It's like voting. Like you, you can't complain if you don't vote. It's the same thing. Like if, if you're not complaining and telling them exactly how you feel, then you can't come on here and complain. So um, please do take the survey. Let them know your true thoughts and feelings. If you didn't get the survey, I think it can be shared, right, Jerry? It's not linked to an email address. So so what you can do is like the email you receive below it, I think it says forward to a friend. You can actually forward the survey to another email address. So like, say, for instance, Nick, you don't have season tickets. If I receive an email, I can forward it to you via email. So if there's other people that didn't receive it, if you know somebody who did, have them forward you the survey and you'll be able to answer it as well. Perfect. Perfect. All right, Nick. Bold projections. Before we talk about what we heard tonight. I'm going to give a rundown of the bowl projections from what I saw in the media coming into tonight's episode. Um, so as you all know, Cajun's a bowl eligible. We're going to a bowl game and there's, you know, the bowl tie-ins and because of the fact that there's so many bowl eligible teams, or I'm sorry, not enough bowl eligible teams in certain conferences and tie-ins, they have a lot of different places where they have us going. So I'll start. Uh, I, I, we tweeted out some information on the updated bowl projections recently. Uh, and I'll run through that real quick, and then we'll run through what we all saw and pretty much what's going all over social media. Nick, I know your phone's blowing up, mine's blowing up because of the fact that this is such crazy breaking news. And uh, of course, uh, some information was leaked that we were able to uh, provide for you. So first of all, I'll start off with the, I'll start off with what I've seen in the media as of today, where they have Louisiana going 
bowling. First of all, I'll start off with ESPN, uh, both riders there. Uh, one of them has us going to the New Mexico Bowl, uh, which is played on December 16th against Air Force. And the other rider has us going to the 68 Ventures Bowl, which is the Bowling Mobile. Uh, that'll be on December 23rd. And they also have us playing Air Force. So both ESPN, even though they have us in different bowl destinations, one in New Mexico, one in Mobile, both have us playing Air Force out of the MAC. I'm sorry, out of the um, the Mountain West, the Mountain West. Uh, USA Today has the Cajuns taking on Iowa State in the First Responders Bowl day after Christmas in Dallas, where SMU plays. That wouldn't actually be a bad matchup. It would be a rematch of 2020. Always good to play a, a P5. Uh, 247 Sports has the Cajuns going also to the First Responders Bowl in Dallas against Air Force. Uh, CBS Sports has the Cajuns going to the Armed Forces Bowl on December 23rd. Uh, in Fort Worth, Texas, where TCU plays uh, against Iowa State. So again, I'm seeing a, a pattern here, Iowa State or, uh, or Air Force. Uh, this is this one is kind of weird to me. Now, we saw some tweets recently about how there's a chance that two Sunbelt schools may be pitted against one another because of the amount of schools bowl eligible. Yahoo Sports has the Cajuns playing in the Birmingham Bowl on December 23rd against App State. I thought that was pretty interesting. No, we don't I think that, that might be lazy is what it is. And look, you're going, <laughs> I, I've tuned you out when you started talking about projections because nobody knows. I mean, we kind of, we think we know now because of what we saw and, and will be discussed shortly, but nobody really knows. I mean, again, I think that's just lazy reporting. We're not going to play App State. I think there, you know, there was, there were early rumors that two Sunbelt teams would, would face each other. But I think the way things worked out, you know, that's not going to happen. In my I, I don't see it. No, I agree. I agree. I don't see it. So that's the Yahoo Sports prediction. Again, uh, Cajuns, um, they have them playing App State. Uh, Sporting News has the Cajuns playing in the Military Bowl in Annapolis, Maryland, where the Naval Academy is located on December 27th against Blake Anderson's Utah State Aggies. Interesting matchup, Utah State out of the Mountain West. Uh, Fox Sports has the Cajuns playing on December 23rd in Birmingham for the Birmingham Bowl against Syracuse out of the ACC. That's kind of an intriguing matchup, a unfamiliar team, but a P5 and a winnable game against a P5. I believe Syracuse is now looking for a new head coach. So we would be playing a team with an interim head coach. Good chance for Dave a win. Dave Schultz would be super excited if that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Athlon Sports has the Cajuns playing in the first responder bowl day after Christmas against Wyoming. And last but not least, and this is where it's actually perfect entrance into the next segment. Brett McMurphy from Action Network has the Cajuns on December 16th heading back to New Orleans for the New Orleans Bowl against the Jacksonville State Gamecocks out of Conference USA. Of course, once again, Jacksonville State and JMU, both teams are bowl eligible, even though they're in the transitional period due to the lack of bowl eligible teams. So why does that leave us into the next segment? Well, about 30 minutes before we started recording, Nick. Uh, my phone started blowing up because somebody sent me a screenshot of Ticketmaster. And what was on Ticketmaster at the time for raging Cajun football events was the RNL or not, yeah, there was the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl being played December 16th and to purchase tickets. Now, uh, we circled it, we sent it out, and we were like, okay, this is odd, right? This is weird. Why, why are they have this on here and nobody's announced anything? Well, two minutes later, one of our other members of the podcast decided to send us a screenshot of Ticketmaster. And not only do they have the Cajuns in the New Orleans Bowl, they also have the Jacksonville State logo next to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns logo to buy tickets, which means 
associative property or transitive, what is a transitive property, right? The Louisiana Raging Cajuns will take on Jacksonville State in the New Orleans Bowl. So, okay, just to clarify, I'll say this. Since then, the news has leaked. People have found out. Uh, social media is going crazy. My phone's blowing up. Your phone's blowing up with text messages and phone calls and everything else. And that's why it's perfect timing. We came on this segment. From what I heard from some reliable sources, the Cajuns are still awaiting a bold destination. Now, maybe that's CYA. I don't know. I do know that Jacksonville State officially will be going to the New Orleans Bowl. I don't know if that's true either. But as of right now, looks like Jacksonville State's going. The Cajuns are awaiting a, a, a bowl, a bowl still. Personally, I think we're playing in the New Orleans Bowl. I think it's the New Orleans Bowl. I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire. Why yeah. Why would be, we be put as a placeholder publicly on Ticketmaster? That doesn't make sense to me. Well, here's, here's the funny thing. Ticketmaster took down the yeah, Louisiana right. and Jacksonville State logo after everybody started, started going crazy on social media with it. And so, so if that were true, if, if Louisiana takes on Jacksonville State in the New Orleans Bowl, the game will be played on December 16th. Kickoff will be at 1.15 Central Standard Time. It will be an afternoon kickoff. So uh, it's actually fairly early this year for the New Orleans Bowl. It's usually a little, like a few days later, more towards Christmas. Um, I've gotten mixed reactions about it. I've actually have some people that are that are okay with the matchup. I'm not a big fan of it. You're playing a transitional team from the FCS that basically wasn't even eligible to play in a bowl game that kind of was a, were able to get into it because of the fact that there's not enough bowl eligible teams. Um, I, look, I'll just say this. This is a game we cannot lose. They're from Conference USA. We've made fun. Okay, we've openly made fun of Conference USA by adding teams like Jacksonville State, and now we get a chance to beat them. So... I don't want to be eating crow come five, six o'clock on December 16th if we end up playing this team and losing to them. Because look, they're eight and four. Rich Rodriguez has done a great job over there as head coach. They've won some pretty impressive games. Their offense can score points. We cannot lose to this team. Just for our sake at Razor Review, we cannot lose to this team. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it just, I don't like it i mean if that if that ends up being the case because like you said this we have a whole lot more to lose in this game than we do to win and um you know uh, a team from up north that's sitting at home with a three and nine record is going to be you know uh talking crap against us if we happen to drop the game against jacksonville state but what did you uh, see their score against them? It was 42, seven and a half. what are they going to say it, it doesn't matter and that guy <laughs> all for one is going to absolutely you know, we're going to have to check his pulse after the end of that game because they'll be so excited if they happen to beat us. But regardless, look, they're they're eight and four in the season. If this happens, their losses are to Coastal Carolina, where where they got they got beat pretty bad early in the season, 30 to 16. They lost to Liberty um, again, lost 31 to 13. They lost to South Carolina, which was actually a pretty close game, I think, going into the fourth quarter. And then New Mexico State edged them out 20 to 17 for the la their last game of the season. So their four losses were against uh good competition. I don't know if you call South Carolina good competition, but you know, they had four it's losses. SEC. It is SEC, right? Yeah. Um so uh, again, they they beat who they were supposed to beat. They lost against who they were um projected to lose against, but 
I, I guarantee you they're going to be coming into that, that game with a chip on their shoulder, trying to prove us wrong that Conference USA isn't a great conference. And if if that happens, those guys are going to be pumped and ready to go. And can we match their intensity? We've seen throughout this season that we we tend to start slow and you you let a team like that get a big uh, big lead on you and your team tend to fold. So I don't know, man. Um, first of all, let's go back to the fact that this was posted there publicly and we came across it and it got taken down very quickly. Again, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I feel like that's that's where we're going to end up playing because, um, you know, there, there are other people out there saying, well, thanks, Rage and Review, because you got it wrong and we're going to Montgomery. Well, dude, we're not saying we're absolutely going to, to New Orleans Bowl. We're saying that this is what was posted online and we threw that out there and you make your own decisions and your own opinion about it. But, I mean, it's out there and, and it was taken down. So I'm, I'm just saying it's where there's smoke, there's fire. I think we're going to New Orleans. I'm holding out hope that somewhere closer to to Texas so I can go to the game. But either way, I'm, I mean, again, there's not a whole look, obviously there's a lot to, to win in this game. You, if, if we're playing Jacksonville state and we win the new Orleans bowl, that's, that's another feather in our cap and very proud of the guys. And they get to go out on a, on a winning note, but it feels like you have so much more to lose in this game. If you lose Jacksonville state than you do, if you win the new Orleans bowl, I don't know. That's just kind of how I feel about it. I agree with that. And, and again, you don't want to, and on top of that, if you lose, you 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 guarantee another losing season at six and seven, and you don't want to do that after, uh, you know, all the yip yapping we've done, especially considering the fact that you know I know they're in a transitional mode right now into F- FBS. We should have a better team naturally on paper. I mean, we should be favorites going into that game. So we have everything. It's almost like we have everything to lose losing to that team. Uh, especially the fact that they're not even they weren't even eligible to to make it to a bowl this year. They're still in a transition to the FBS. Well, Jerry, uh, how many people said that? How many teams said that against James Madison this season? And you saw what they did to them. They destroyed some of those teams. So, I, it's not it's not a great feeling. Like I'd feel a little bit better if they were full FBS members and, you know, they they didn't make this through a transitional period, etc. But again, this is not it's by no means final. We don't know what's going on there. Um, we've been told several different things, so we'll have to wait and see, but theoretically, if we're playing Jacksonville state, I'm not thrilled about it, but Hey, I'm still going to get pumped up for the game. I'm going to be excited. We're going to come out here if we win on the post game and be, and be thrilled. But I don't know, man, it's just, it doesn't really move the needle for me. And I think a lot of Cajuns fans will feel the same way. Now, look, I will say we don't have room to be picky about where we're chosen to go for a bowl game. Because we're six and six, we did not perform up to our potential. At least we don't think we performed up to our potential. And so the fact that we're going bowling, we don't get to be picky. We're not. We don't have that convenience. We're not playing to the ability. And let's be frank, we're not also bringing in the fans that other bowls can get excited about selling tickets for. So we're going to put this squarely on us as fans as well. If we don't get picked to a quote better bowl. You know, if, if we were showing up to the games and we had packed houses and people were excited to invite us, I guarantee, look, James Madison may get a, a much more prestigious bowl than we do this year. And that's because they've shown on national television that they can bring the fans to support it and they can sell the tickets. So we've got to take a little bit of responsibility in that, not just on the record of the team, but also how we as fans perform this season. 
we, we can't let that be left out. No doubt. And also, too, I mean, look, we talk about bold destinations, but like you said, I mean, it's hard to travel uh, depending on this time of year, especially coming close to Christmas time. Um, for me personally, it's, you know, having a little one and just having family matters is hard. It's tough. I mean, New Orleans, believe it or not, would be more convenient for me personally, because I'm closer. It's just like you in Texas. If there were a bowl game in Dallas or Houston, it'd be a lot easier for you to travel because of the obligations that you have elsewhere. So, I mean, I guess we do the best we can. Um, I know this doesn't move the needle for a lot of fans, but at the same time, we still have to do our best to support this team. Even if you can't go to the game to watch, to support from your couch, or, you know, if you have a watch party like Nick does, um, you know, we have to find a way to support this team and, 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 and try our best to close out this season in a positive way uh, with a winning record. That's, that's the goal right now. And, and as much as I hate to admit that, as, as disappointed as I was that this was not better than a six and six record, you know, you still, you can't just, you can't just go out pouting about it, right? You got to do something and move forward with it. So, you know, I, I look, you, we, it, it's one of those games where you're playing a team in Jacksonville state. That's going to be fired up. It's their first ever bowl game. And I know for a fact in new Orleans, they're going to bring a ton of fans. They're going to bring a lot of people. It's going to be, it won't be anywhere near what we brought the first time we went, but you're going to see a sea of red on their side and you're going to go, whoa, like they, they've got some fan support. So um, if we go, we're going to have to counter that and, and, and show up and do the best we can to support the team and, and just hope for the best and win this thing. Yeah. And I think, I think it not being Christmas weekend, you know, uh, may help in the attendance regard uh, because we do have a lot of new Orleans based Cajuns fans so hopefully they would show up and some of our fans would make the drive and it's not as I said it's not Christmas weekend maybe easier for some of our fans to get there it's 115 you you don't even have to stay overnight you can make it a day trip just be very very careful about where you park your vehicle um, when you go to New Orleans but if that if it happens we'll talk I'm sure a little bit more about that uh, as we get closer so there you have it, folks. It looks like, and look, the, the, the news is rolling in right now. Um, we're hearing that there's multiple sources telling us that we're going to New Orleans, and that's it. So uh, I, right now, again, Ticketmaster taking it off. I mean, so much has happened in the last two hours with all of this stuff. Uh, the information being leaked, social media going crazy, Rager Review reporting it, and just, you know, it just, you know what? Even if they, we end up at another bowl, even if this is one big false alarm, you got to admit, it is pretty cool to see how people jumped on it quickly. And we're actually talking about these things right now, because I haven't seen news like this. Uh, I haven't seen this much activity about where we're going and, and foot, the, the football program this fast, uh, like like we've seen it all year, personally. It's sad to say, but a lot of our most, our, our most engaging podcasts are when bad news happens uh, or we lose a game. You know, everybody wants to vent and tell you how you feel. Um, but this kind of feels a little bit different. You've got some people on one end of the spectrum that are saying, sweet, New Orleans, easy, easy trip. And some who are saying, absolutely not. I'm so sick of New Orleans. So uh, just great to, again, like you said, just get the conversation going because it it really hasn't been out there. There's been some chatter about where we may go, et cetera. But hearing the fans having one opinion or the other and just talking about it, the more we talk about Cajuns, whether it's good or bad, 
the more the Cajuns are out there and and that's a benefit to the program. So uh so like you said, it's just good to see things kind of starting to the chatter starting to get. Yeah, going I've noticed a bit. over the last couple of weeks, or actually the last week or so, we've tried our best to create some content uh, on social media across the board, whether it's pictures of the construction going on, whether it's topics we want people to discuss or want to discuss with our fans and fans UL fans in general. Um, one of the topics I brought up over this past week was uh, lot E, parking in lot E. Now I know I'm not an administrator. I don't set the rules, but what better way to get fan feedback on what people think about those things, right? And the beauty of that is if a fan decides that, hey, I don't think this is a big deal. I don't know why you guys emphasize this so much. Uh, leave it alone. Fine. I'm okay with that because you know what? It's feedback. You took the time to respond and you care enough to respond. I was very surprised, Nick, at the number of people that agreed with saying we should open up lot E for like general parking or more opportunities to tailgate at to create more activity. Um, I was actually surprised by the number of responses we received for that. And again, if any administrators listening, we're not doing this to start controversy. Okay. We're actually helping you get free feedback for what fans think about these kind of things, because it is important. It is. I mean, you know, to have a, a chance to come into the parking lot, create more activity inside the parking lot and, and, you know, just create more, of an atmosphere inside of the Cajun field lot compared to what we've seen. I mean, I park in lot E it's, it's a wide open space. There's nobody there. And you know, I hear, well, you can buy a season pass and all this stuff. People aren't buying passes there. It's empty. Why not find a way to make some money by charging charge 10 to 20 bucks, make sure it's fair as opposed to what you're charging for the RCAF members to get the pass. And let people park in there and and allow more activity inside the parking lot. To, for people will be inside the gates. It'll create more, more fun. I mean, am I am I off there, Nick? No. And and what was was great to see is not that they just clicked on a poll and said yes or no. What they did was they commented and told us why the whys. You know, my kids work those games, and I guarantee you they would pay ten bucks to park there, so they didn't have to park at the Cajun Dome. You know, my I'm elderly. I don't want to walk a whole. A long way, but I can only make one or two games a season. I'd rather not pay a lot of money to park to have premium parking, but I'd like to have that for the one or two games I can make it. There were a lot of a lot of comments based around this that you like to see of the reasons why people are 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 saying what they're saying. But I think look, and we've talked about this quite a bit. I mean, this goes back to the pricing on the tailgate spots. And look, I'm not denying the fact that we need revenue and we need to we need to get revenue from all sources. We can't we can't give things away for free. I totally get that. But the common theme from what I heard again at one of the tailgates last year, I think it was homecoming, unsolicited, just overhearing a conversation when I was sitting in the RV lot was somebody saying, "Yeah, man, we used to we used to bring our RV out here every single weekend for every game, but they just got too expensive and now we can't afford it. So you can't charge the prices for a premium product when the product that you have isn't premium anymore. And look, when the demand was there, I get it. When it was sold out and you raised the prices, I get it. That that's, that that's free market. That's what happens. Capitalism. That's the way thing, the way the world works. But when there's no longer a demand, you can't continue to, to charge the prices that you charge and expect those 
customers to come back. You've got to adjust somehow. So I think there just, again, needs to be a revisiting of this in the offseason to come up with a something that can satisfy both sides, that can satisfy not only the people who have been RV lot holders and, and parking pass holders for years, that can satisfy them and be reasonable for them, but also on the one-offs. If you want to come, it shouldn't cost you twice as much as as somebody who's you know parking there all season. There should be a common ground to be able to satisfy both the one-time and the two-time tailgater or parker as as there is for the normal person. That th- that brainstorming needs to happen in the off season because what you're doing is you're just running those people off and they don't want to come. And and you know, I mean it's it could be as simple as when you have the grass lot open, have somebody out there from the RCAF on the sidewalk going, "Hey, by the way, you can buy a pass for the rest of the season for however many bucks." And and that may be a way to to get people engaged. It's not going to be as much as people paid for for the whole season, but it's a discounted rate that they can purchase right then and there to have a pass for the rest of the season and park closer. Or it could just be simply, you know, charging at the gate, a discounted fee for a per game. Because I guarantee you, even 15 bucks to park for one game so you don't have to walk across the street, a lot of people are going to pay that. And it's all about appearances. And it's all about the desire to be where other people are. And when you have empty parking lots, and we've said this before, when you have empty parking lots, even though it's not necessarily empty inside the stadium, you could have parking at Blackham and all this stuff. But when you have empty parking lots right by the field, aesthetically, it's not pleasing. And it looks bad, and it looks like nobody's there. And It looks bad. And who wants to be at a party? Who wants to be at a party that nobody's at? Thank you. Like when I drive down River Ranch and I see rhythms on the river, and I see cars parked along the median of Camellia or along... By, by city club where you where everything is just jam-packed i'm gonna do a double take and go man i'm i want to go check that out but when you go past by cajun field and nobody's there and you see there's a bunch like maybe two or three people tailgating in one little corner i'm gonna if i if i'm not a fan and i'm looking i'm like and there's nobody here i'm, I'm gonna keep driving I'm, i don't want to go see this it's perception so again and like i'm saying i'm not trying to cheapen the product i realize we have to have income we've got to have revenue but we also have to meet people in the middle. And when the product on the field is not where you expect it to be versus where it was three or four years ago, we could charge those prices when, when we had a full parking lot full of people. But even when we were ranked nationally, we still didn't have a full parking lot. And our RV lot wasn't nearly where it used to be because we priced a lot of those people out. So we need to revisit that. You may have to get the same revenue to fill up all those spots. So even if you're having the same revenue, having 10 RVs out there, as if you're having 20 RVs out there, but what's the true cost to the university on that? I mean, if you're getting the same revenue, but you have a few more RVs, I would rather that because one, like you said, perception, it looks better. And two, Lafayette people, we've said this so many times, they want to be where there's a demand and it's hard to get in. And so once we start creating that demand and we make it an event and we make it a little bit difficult for people to get in because, you know, oh, my goodness, look at all those people there. I want to do that. Then you start rebuilding that fan base that you've lost. But we've got to meet in the middle. It can't just always be, well, we've got a great product and we're going to charge these prices. 
that's not working for us and it looks bad and again we're not asking you to necessarily reduce the prices tenfold but we're asking for a meeting in the middle where the average fan that can't necessarily right now be an RCAF or hasn't been convinced to be an RCAF, maybe if you get them an RV spot at a reasonable rate a couple times a year or get them the parking, maybe they'll be more inclined once we, especially when we get the new stadium and supposedly this new experience, maybe they'll be more inclined to join and, and then we can talk about the rates going up or whatever. But right now we just need, we need a little bit of give and take from the administration you on this. You can't set a price based off a demand that's not there. Can't do it. It doesn't work. And I feel like that's what they've done. And and you my honest opinion, this is this is just me talking. I think they should go back to the 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 early HUD days of tailgate cost. I think they should charge tailgate prices from like 2013, 2014. It worked. It attracted people. People showed up. People didn't feel pressured to pay a certain fee to come to the games. I mean I I Again, we all we hear is well, we have competition against ESPN Plus, ESPN Plus, ESPN Plus. I got to get people off their couch to come to the games. That's what that's what a lot of administrators say, right? All around the country, I got to get people off the couch. When you're charging a premium for something, why would that person get off the couch? And if you're looking to make money, right, you can sacrifice a little bit of of, of revenue or a little bit of profit for more people to show up. And give them that opportunity, and, and the opportunity cost could come from something like concessions or a game program, or or you know, for example, we got we, we got the vintage, create the vintage, right? Maybe the opportunity cost could be with vintage. I mean, or, or certain clothing. I mean, there's so many opportunities there that you don't have to charge a base and expect to make all the money off the base as long as you you provide good amenities elsewhere where people will buy elsewhere. So I don't understand. This idea that, well, you know, obviously we have to pay for these things, but in order to pay for those things, you got to create the revenue. In order to get the revenue, you got to get the people there first. You got to get the people there first. Right. And and not only, not only, and, and that's a great point. And that's what I was going to bring up. We have to get people to Cajun Field first, which means tailgating. If you get tailgating going like it used to be, if you get it packed and tailgating, you remember when the problem was we couldn't get people from the tailgate in the stadium? You can't well, now we the can't tailgating. get people to the tailgate. Uh, yeah. So that's that's step one. That's step one. If you want revenue and you want people inside the stadium, we got to get people in the parking lot. And so, again, it's a give and take. We're not telling you to cut all the revenue. We understand that's very important to the university. But you know what else is important? Attendance. Not only just for, for revenue purposes, but to attract the, the, the student athlete to come to the games. I get ESPN Plus is a, is a, a deal, and, and like I mentioned it, you look at Houston, University of Houston, you look at Miami, their stadium is empty. I get it. But then you look at what the NFL did in, in Los Angeles with the Chargers and the Rams. They completely built the entire experience around the fans that could be sitting at home watching the game, but instead made it something that the fans could not get by simply watching the game at home. They had to go to the stadium and go to the, they had to be in the entire area to experience the true experience of that game. And that's what we're going to have to do at UL is make the entire experience worth getting off of your couch too. And that includes tailgating. I, look, I love the music. I love the food, all that stuff, but you've got to make it affordable because 
as if, if you continue to cut the fans out of being able to afford getting an RV spot or afford getting a tailgate spot, there's no reason why we can't have a ton of free tailgating spots. I don't even know what that is. But second thing, Jerry, is we've got to market that to our fans and market how affordable it is because right now it's not affordable, right? But if you market the affordability and you meet them halfway, you're going to have a lot more success there. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done. I hope they take some of this into consideration and I hope they take some of the feedback that the fans have been giving, because like I said, unsolicited, you hear this stuff as you're walking around the tailgates and, and all I'm hearing is missed opportunities for fans to be here every Saturday. And we just miss out on that because we're not willing to meet them halfway. So I think that needs to be done in in conjunction with the new stadium because the only the new stadium will only take you that far. We got to get people in the parking lot before we can get them. If into you the don't stadium. change the habits of what you're doing and expect the new stadium to fix all of that without changing yourself, it, it's not going to change. The stadium will look pretty. It'll look nice, but the problem is that it's not going to change if, if the conduct continues and the business model you're using right now continues in spite of the new stadium, nothing's going to change. And I understand what what I understand the mindset of the pretty building and the pretty stadium creates that value for those premium costs, but it doesn't change the fact that if the economy is not good, people aren't going to spend the money. You know what they're going to do? They're going to go to the game once or twice. They'll splurge once or twice. They'll experience the the new stadium and how pretty it is. By game three or game four, they're back home on their couch watching the game on TV. Oh, I had that experience. That was fun. I'm going to just go back home and watch it. Eh, it was okay. Oh, the, the, the scoreboard's still too loud. Oh, they're playing music at inappropriate times. Oh, the music. I don't like the music being played. You know, like the things that we're dealing with now during game day experience, if that stays on with the new stadium, that's not going to convince people to stay and come back. Those are the things that need to be fixed before worrying about all that other stuff. I mean, look, we, we've said that yeah. the new Teague, Russo Park, we've talked about sometimes the music selection there every once in a while is not the same as what it was at the old Teague. And maybe that might've scared away a few fans, not saying it's the right thing to do, but what I'm saying is a shiny new building is not going to fix anything. If you don't change the intricacies of the game day experience, which includes tailgating music, what you, you know, the concession stands. I mean, look, in my opinion, Nick, you're in the heart of Acadiana, dude. Instead of selling hot dogs, sell boudin. Go call Billy's. Go get. I mean, you, there's 20 different places in Lafayette that will be more than happy to help you well out at the concession stand and and give and serve boudin or serve jambalaya, something local that that our fans know that only only means something to us. That's unique to us. We talk about uniqueness, but yet we still sell hot dogs and chips for a premium. I mean, what's so unique about that? And you get, you get the, the cheese, cheese on in the, the bag, side like this nasty bag cheese. I mean, I get better nachos at the gas station. I mean, come on, man. I mean, come on. Right, right. But but this is look, and and you can agree or disagree with what Greg Vincent said here. He said he pays four fifty for his spot, but he also has to pay an additional five hundred for RCAF. So it's about a nine fifty a year, right? Just to tailgate, and I'm sure that's not a premium tailgating. That's not an RV tailgating. That's probably, if I'm not mistaken, I think that might be one. Um, off of Congress, but I could be wrong there. The point is, like he said, there are also one or two midweek games that you have to take that into account. So if you've got five home games, let's say it's a bad year and you only have five home games and two of those are midweek, you only have three Saturdays that you're paying almost a thousand dollars for absolutely. just to tailgate. That doesn't include the food. Now that you might say, Oh, a thousand dollars a year. That's not bad. Well, you also got to buy food, 
alcohol, you got to buy your tickets. If you've got season tickets, then you got to give to the RCAF. So you're easily paying thousands of dollars a year to go see a six and six team at home. Now, again, you cannot always control the success on the field, but you also have to make it affordable for the everyday fan to want to go out there every Saturday and, and sometimes midweek and tailgate. So I, that's where a lot of, I mean, this is a prime example of where some of the frustration comes. You're paying a thousand dollars to maybe tailgate three times a year. If you, you know, maybe four, who knows? It depends what the midweek schedule is. So it's tough. And, and especially in the economic times where everything is, is going up in price. This is, this is one of those things that people will start cutting out sooner than later. I mean, their groceries matter more than tailgating on Saturdays, right? So again, we've got to meet them halfway. Um, this is the, again, in the off season is the perfect time to get these, these tailgate holders and former, former tailgate people out and do a panel and ask them, why did you leave and ask them, you know, what would it take for you to stay and get the, get the feedback directly from the fans. Because if you ask them, they will be honest with you, but you can't just take that feedback and, and, and not do anything. There's gotta be, a an outreach from the administration to want to know the answers to this problem and then work to resolve or again, meet, meet them halfway. I think that's the theme that, that we need to keep in mind. We're never going to cut out all the revenue from the, from athletics, but we do need to meet our fans halfway. If we want to be successful and get well, the them back to the too, stadium. Nick, is that they don't, a lot of people that, um, a lot of this certain group of people we're talking about that maybe work in administration or whatnot, actually speak louder than words and by them not lowering prices you know what they're telling me and they're not nobody said this directly but i'm just assuming basically what they're saying is is we're going to keep the prices the same and it's just the fact that the the people of lafayette are just cheap they're just cheap they don't want to pay for the so we're just going to keep it the same and we don't want to lower the prices it's 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 the fans fault it's like josh says it's the fans fault because they're they're, they're being frugal they don't want to pay well that's feedback in itself that's feedback in itself that people are telling you we're not paying that for those prices. And, and, you know, we could say about, well, it's one of the lowest in the, it's, you know, we have one of the lowest tailgate costs in the Sunbelt. We got the lowest this in the Sunbelt. Well, in other places in the Sunbelt, in those towns, in those college towns, there's nothing else to do. So there's a higher demand, a higher demand to go pay the tailgate spot at your game because the supply of activity in those towns are a lot less than what we have in Lafayette. Look, this week alone, we have Dave and Buster's opening we, that just opened up. We've got Top Golf opening up in two weeks. We've got a mall. We've got movie theaters. We've got festivals all over. You're competing with those things. Those other towns in the Sun Belt don't compete with that. Maybe outside of Mobile and, and San Marcos, those other towns don't compete with those things. Hattiesburg doesn't have a Top Golf. I mean, Boone, North Carolina doesn't have a Dave and Buster's. So, so they're not competing with those things. So they can charge those those premium prices because there's there's a demand for for football atmospheres because there's there's not much else to do. We have that competition here, and the fun that we have here, and like the festivals and the parks, they don't cost anything to have fun. I can walk down to downtown alive and rhythms on the river. I cannot. I don't have to pay a single dime to go to those events and have a blast. But then you're going to charge a premium for a tailgate spot to go listen to live music at the Oak, at the Oak, which are great bands. But why would I pay that if I can go to downtown alive downtown for free? That's what you're competing against that other towns don't have the luxury of doing. So again, when, when you're putting these prices there and people aren't buying it, 
you know, this perception of, well, it's just Lafayette doesn't want to pay for it. No, they have other things to do at, for lesser cost where they'll get their, they, they feel that they'll get just as much fun and just as much out of those activities. So you're competing against those things. So you have to be able to set your cost at what you're competing against. And what they're charging now is not, whether it's tickets or tailgates, it's just not, it's not feasible. Yep. And I mean, we're beating the dead horse. We've, we've gone back and forth on this for forever. <laughs> and, and the answer is out there. Um, my, my hope is that again, that they just engage not only with the current people who tailgate, but also reach out to the people who are no longer tailgating, find out why understand the why behind it. And then maybe you can find that answer. And I think we know the answer. I don't know all the answers, but, but in hearing what I'm hearing from the fans that, that want to be out there, they they've been priced out a little bit. And so maybe there's the opportunity for some outreach and, and for some, some fixing of that. Cause again, you may get the same revenue from 20 RV spots that you currently get for 10. But I tell you, I'd love to see 20 RV spots out there rather than 10 any Saturday. It's about creating opportunity. And until we learn the formula on how to create opportunity, lot E is still going to be empty. The tailgating experience is going to be a lot more boring than it was 10 years ago. The stadiums, the Cajun games are going to average 15 to 16,000. Until we change those things and until we see that opportunity and figure out a way to get the grasp of that opportunity, things are not going to change. It's time to go look for that opportunity. And there's a yeah. lot of opportunity here, Nick. That, that's the thing that's frustrating. There, there's opportunity here. And again, the conversation about parking in lot E, that's a small fraction of the bigger issues that we've talked about. But when, when, when Razor Review posts a question about parking in lot E and on Facebook, you get, you know, over 60 to 70 comments from people, obviously people care. Obviously people care. When there's a poll that Razor Review gives on whether or not they should charge general parking or allow general parking in lot E, and you have close to 200 people that vote and 90% say yes, let people park in lot E for general admission parking, people care. I mean, the feedback's there. And and going back to, uh, going back to, I'm sorry, I'm just going back to the bowl thing. Um, I Man, I keep getting texts from several different people that say the team may have known as soon as yesterday about the New Orleans Bowl against Jacksonville State. So... Again, where there's smoke, there's fire. This could all change in the next 24 hours or or however long. But it's looking like uh, like we weren't too far off. Yeah, and look again, depending on depending on who it is. If we do end up going to New Orleans uh, and play Jacksonville State, let's look. We got to make the best of it. It's 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 the it's the choice that was given to us. It's the bowl that was given to us. It's the opponent that was given to us. Um, let's go make the best of it and see what happens. And let's go win this thing. Uh, I know. There's a lot of apathy right now. I know people are kind of down on the inconsistency of the program or the football program. I mean, basketball didn't help much tonight. I mean, that was a, I'm just going to say it. That was a bad performance on the court. Um, I mean, <laughs> I don't know, Nick. It's, it's tough being a Cajuns fan, dude. I got nothing, but you know what? I'd rather be a Cajuns fan than a coastal fan. So we'll just leave it at that. Uh Good point. Good point. Well, Nick, you think we should close it out? I think that should about do it for tonight. Um, we talked about a lot, man. We did. There's a lot going on. And, um, you know, I was worried when, when I texted you earlier this week, I'm like, what are we going to talk about? Well, we filled out over almost two hours tonight. So I think we did a pretty good job of, uh, of addressing a lot of stuff that's going on right now. 
the, the breaking news was the cherry on top too. I mean, for this to come out a half hour before and all of a sudden social media explodes, that was awesome to see. But again, it just goes to show you people care. Whether they like it or not, they care enough to respond. And that's what really matters. As long as people are giving you feedback, that means people still care. And there's a lot of people in this fan base that care. So anyway, guys, that's going to do it for tonight. Thank you so much for joining. Nick, thanks so much for giving your two cents as well. Great co-host, great co-host right here. Great DJ. I know. Started I the know. started the ooh, ooh chant, which we <laughs> still do occasion feel. Nick, you would be proud. Uh, the wife and I and Allie have done it. So good tradition you started there. And it was grassroots, right? It wasn't forced. It was grassroots. 100%. 100%. There you go. Guys, if you like what we do, you like what we talk about, you like the content we provide, don't forget, go to Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, TikTok, and please like, subscribe at all those different platforms. You can listen to us as well through audio on Apple iTunes as well as Spotify. Nick will have this episode up as soon as he can so you can rehash all of the different things we discussed tonight, all the way from Cajuns football to basketball to things happening around the Sun Belt, as well as pretty much our fate as far as our bowl destination guys we will see you on the other side once we find out where we do end up in a bowl if this is true we'll be back next week to discuss that we'll preview our bowl opponent most likely jacksonville state as well as our bowl destination most likely our sweet home of the new orleans bowl for Nick, I'm Jerry. Once again, thank you so much to our sponsors, Recovery Cairo Med, Dr. Brett Venable, as well as Absolutely Embroidery and more. Visit our businesses who support the Cajuns as well as Razor Review. Thank you guys. We love you guys for your support. And to Cajun Nation, as always, for Nick, I'm Jerry. And in the words of the late, great Big Dave Thibodeau, bye, we out of here. See you next week for more Razor Review. Hey.